This interview is oh so late, originally recorded well ahead of time in November 2022. I meant to get it out in time for the game's five-year anniversary, but firmly believe in better late than never. And if you missed it, check out our recent interview with Labs about their upcoming AR game Skyhaven, now in open beta. Enjoy! Was he slow? The first time I ever heard about Kid Koala was when I downloaded the Baby Driver soundtrack in July 2017 after seeing the film twice in the theaters that week. There was this song that played during a scene where the titular baby, the driver, remixes a recording he took of his crime boss doc, played by Kevin Spacey, called Was He Slow by Kid Koala. That remix stuck in my head for months and still pops in and out to this day. That set me down a Wikipedia rabbit hole learning about the track's creator, Kid Koala. Digging more into Kid, I discovered he was working on an upcoming game called Floor Kids, set to release later that year in December exclusively for Steve's favorite console, the Nintendo Switch. I watched a teaser and was sold on the spot, B-Boys and B-Girls B for breakdancing, animated in a sketchbook style with the player dance battling across beautiful hand animated backdrops. Kid Koala was doing the music and sound effects, animation artist John John was doing the scratchy animations of the B-Boys, Girls and Stages, and the Victoria B based indie game studio Hololabs was codemonkeying it all together. Five years later, and now co-owning a site covering the game's main Canada, I jumped at the opportunity to interview some of the team who made one of my favorite Canadian games. <laughs> First to jump on the call was Jonathan Ning. I'm calling in from the car, like I'm linked up with the car's uh, yeah. car play. Originally from Scarborough. Uh, I've been in Montreal for pretty much the last like 15 or so years. Oh hell yeah. And that's where I met, met Eric, DJ uh, Kikawala, way back. We go way back, so... We are joined by the only person I think to go on our podcast with a Wikipedia page, uh, Kikawala. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's a what? A Wikipedia page. I think a Wikipedia page. I think with you and John John on here, we're getting two birds with one stone. The only person on the podcast with a Wikipedia page, and the only person on the podcast with an IMDb page. So we're getting two today. Wow. <laughs> What's on the Wikipedia page? I've never actually looked at that. I haven't updated that in forever. Uh, born... I don't want to know. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much, uh, Amesh and Rob, for joining as well. First up, warm up. What's uh, everyone's name, role on Floor Kids, and current title of whatever you're doing? Uh, my name is Jonathan Ng. go by John John, John John Animation. Um... I I guess I uh, started animating little floor kids characters back in like 2006, mm. and uh, did some promo collab with Eric Kikawala, and that's how it started. And then uh, I pretty much animated most of the of the move set in the game. You told Red Bull 90%. Yeah, yeah, you know, like had some help for sure. Mm. Some of my friends that's you know contributed a little bit to like design. Uh, made sure that the break 
elements were like uh you know authentic i guess mm. that's about it and what, what would you say you're doing right now what would you call yourself just still an animator obviously yeah i would say i'm um i would say i'm an animation artist nice so i'm approaching it from an artistic mindset and not only industry oriented so mm. yeah i'm an animator though you know it's like whatever nice uh and you eric um i'm eric san uh, also known as kid koala and i did the music and sound design on floor kids hell yeah uh amesh i'm amesh uh nursing i um i was a lead programmer on floor kids and got really familiar with all of john's animations mm. to the point where i was seeing them at night and like i felt like my body could go in those positions and the tetris move. effect <laughs> tetris effect nice uh, it was it was wild. It was good. Um, yeah, and uh, now I'm I'm still working at Hololabs. We are um, we've gone through a couple games since Four Kids, and mm. we're we're working on a new one called Skyhaven. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey. I'm really excited to reconnect with John and Eric and talk to you stuff. And I'm here with yeah. Rob. Um, Rob, you can go next to then. Sure, yeah. Uh, my name is Rob Rowe, and uh, I didn't actually work on Floor Kids. I wasn't with Fallout at the time, but okay. I've heard a lot of awesome things about it. Gotcha. Um, I've worked while people were working on it. Mm. Uh, I've played a lot of it. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Um, so I'm excited to actually talk to you guys, um, Eric and, and, and uh, um, yeah. John, John. So, uh, yeah. I guess along those lines, Rob, at any point you have a question about Floor Kids, feel free to jump in and throw it in. Definitely. Awesome. So a couple, a couple more warm questions. I like everyone getting the flow up. What's everyone's first memory with a video game? I'm very curious about that. Um, getting, I got a Nintendo secondhand when everyone was getting their Super Nintendos, and that was like my first experience with like a, a system. So I was playing Duck Hunt and Mario. Mm. After that, shortly after that, like Street Fighter. I think maybe one memory is like seeing two guys playing Street Fighter. Hadoukening and like Shoryukening each other like over and over and they were like hogging the arcade console mm. at this one hotel. I can't remember uh, where I was, but I was just like watching them fascinated by it. Yeah. Awesome. And, and you, Eric? This is burned into my brain. I remember being in Kamloops, British Columbia. Mm -hmm. There was yeah. a console of Defender mm. in the front room of a restaurant some sort of family restaurant um that my parents and my uncles and aunts were 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 dining and i was just walking around i just wanted to play that video game but of course my mom was like it's a waste of money i'm not giving you a quarter for that so i would just stand and watch the demo over and over again and then some every now and then someone would come play and i would just watch i guess that was the first Twitch subscriber, I guess. I was standing there <laughs> hoping someone would play. <laughs> oh no! And and um, somebody somebody played and then noticed I'd been standing there all the time, and then just threw a quarter in. And yeah. Free game, and I didn't know what to do. I was watching, but I didn't know how any of it worked. Plus, I was really short, so I could, you know, I, I remember it just being kind of mashing buttons and stuff but mm. i didn't that game didn't last too long but i do remember that moment and then the other thing that i remember from that day which is kind of non sequitur but there was next to that was the was the kind of lounge 
bar area mm-hmm. and there was a lady who seemed really sad to me mm. i don't know if she was stood up or something <laughs> on a date or something but she had all these empty bottles of beer and stuff like she was getting lit wasted she seemed really sad and i was gonna go say something to her but then i did <laughs> put a quarter in for her <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was just it, those two things that just melted into my brain. It's like, ah, yeah, I was so fascinated with this video game and then the humanity of what was going on over there. Like my brain like, oh, what's going on? Like, you know, how do we, uh, how, you know, what, what's a kid to do in that situation? The, the contrast of the extreme hype of finally getting to play the game against the stack of bottles. It's someone... deep <laughs> empathy for what's going on over here. And that, something I also didn't understand. Both things I didn't understand, but I, I had a feel for it. I was kind of like, I think you fly around that ship and you like defend and, stuff. and then over here is like the, I this person needs a friend but I you know it's the, I don't know they're not stranger so I'm not going to go there and it was one of those weird days a scene yeah I don't know if that means like in the future one of there needs to be a game that like involves all that <laughs> I'd play that <laughs> alcoholic uh, spaceship pilot <laughs> Uh, how about you, Amesh? First memory with a video game. I've, I've actually got a very similar memory to John John. Uh, um, I had a Nintendo gifted to me. I think it was secondhand uh, by my aunt. Mm. And I played Duck Hunt. I had the original like Duck Hunt gun. Um, I have so many memories with that. Um, uh, yeah, and, and Mario in the battle battle mode in Mario. Like that was like, like yeah, bread and butter. Um, we did a lot of renting of games mm. in my small hometown. So we rented like all sorts of things. Like, um, yeah, I remember we, when the Super Nintendo came out, we then like, I, I sold my Nintendo in the garage sale that we had and then used the money towards, you know, purchasing the Super Nintendo and then did the same thing for N64. That's big. That's art of the deal um, taught young, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i think my favorite game out of that like generation was it was like double dragons and battle toads okay uh brawler uh always trust your fists the police will never help you (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah lots of good lessons to learn from double dragon good (laughs) um how about you rob oh man for me i think it's like when the n64 came out they'd have the kiosks at zeller's and like my mom would go around and get stuff and I would go and just play Wave Race 64 mm. or like Mario, Super Mario or whatever, like the, all the launch titles. Did you have demo um, Nick? Did you have demo kiosk Nick? <laughs> I, I Probably. I, I'm tall now, so I don't really, maybe that's how I like got tall was just trying to always like see the screen at Zellers. You evolved the to the higher neck like giraffes to reach the top <laughs> yeah, of the tree. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So would you would you ask your mom if she needed to go get something at Zellers just to I, hook up? I probably did. I I don't remember doing it, but I probably would have. Yeah. Man, we we need we, more toothpaste. <laughs> Rob, I feel like we had the the two ends of the Zellers experience because like you grew up going there to play the demo booths and like they were going out of business when I like I was going there to get discounts on PSP games that were ten years old at that point. So we got like the tail ends of Zellers. <laughs> As far as game, the game section went. Yeah, I just realized I'm the oldest person here. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, did I'm you shop at Ender? Ender. Do you guys I, even know that game? Which game? 
Defender? I'm going to guess that's an Atari game, but no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was there for like the first NES. My friend, also, my mom wouldn't buy its video games. My friend had an NES and we would play, uh, what, Duck Hunt? Yes, Pro Wrestling and mm. um, Castlevania. That was mm. probably my favorite of that console. Never finished it, but that we would hang out a lot. And I think fourth, fifth, sixth grade on the weekends trying to get to the end of that game never saw the end of the game actually i guess you could just youtube it now right it's the journey not the destination it's the friends friends we made along the way that and the snacks that didn't change even when we were working on floor kids like Mm. there were a lot of snacks involved what was the Mm -hmm. go-to snack on floor kids development (laughs) um pringles pringles (laughs) Pringles. or or, uh, or like kettle cooked chips Oh, Miss Vicky's? We got Miss Vicky's in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Excellent. Like, we don't discriminate on snacks. Come on. Like, we just no. Good, good. You, yeah, Jonathan, whatever they got. Chip consumer. <laughs> I, Hollow Labs is based. Is the office still there near Chinatown? The Chinatown. office moved. Um, oh, so, moves. yeah, our old Chinatown office was above a, a really awesome, authentic Chinese food restaurant. You guys went there like every night. Yeah, we would go there every night because. The Wi-Fi still worked. (laughs) We go down there. Yeah, it was like it was like the underground Chinese spot. Like they had all these bigger, like you know, jazzy restaurants. But that Mm. one was like it was like totally like out of the way. But they had like a rockfish that we still can't find again. We still can't like (laughs) I don't know. We were talking about this the other night, Eric. Yeah, it was. It's like, it's uh, it's one of the places that had the sandwich boards. Everything was written on it in Chinese. Yep. And like the, it, we were like, what's served here? We went in, and we just just bring us what you what you do. Yeah. Was and there a kid in the corner doing food. homework? That's usually my barometer for a good restaurant. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but we Excellent. spent a lot of time there. I remember. I remember sitting down there, and I guess we were we were trying to figure out what animals would be in the cutscenes for Floor Kids. Mm. We're just kind of surfing <laughs> the internet. A lot of times, floor kids like people skip over the cutscenes. So I just want to know, if, like, if you guys noticed those animal stages or like wise animals that were in those cutscenes. I feel really bad because I beat the game, but do not remember the animal pages. Oh no! Because <laughs> I haven't beat the game, and I was. Hey, there you so. go. <laughs> Awesome. I don't All know. Right. You should give five star every single track on that. And I made the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Literally made them on vinyl in the studio. But we'll get to that. I got a question yeah, about we'll it's five crowns, though, bro. Hmm? Crowns, five crowns, five, not five, stars. Five crowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. It's different because you're the king, you know, uh, or queen. Uh, so I'm curious how Hollow Labs came to work on what I understand was a very much uh, uh, Kid Koala and John John project up until. Uh, floor kids colon the game became a possibility and I, I understand you were pitching to different studios but no one was really getting what you wanted in terms of like it has to be hand-drawn it has to be authentic and people were trying to take it a different direction how how did you land on hololabs and how did that connection start well it wasn't we weren't actually pitching i think we had the we had the first couple battle videos up on YouTube and then I was just curious about the indie game scene in Montreal mm. it's because I was I mean just deep on the music side of things so I didn't really know much about 
was happening. Although I knew there was a scene here. So I just put it out into the the ether. I think I, it was on Twitter or one of those, or even, you know, Twitter and Facebook. I, I might have just wrote, hey, are there any indie game devs in Montreal that want to, like, meet up and just talk about shop, like, talk, talk, talk possibilities? And so Mike... Um, Mike from Hollow Lads was the, was one of the the cats that that responded to me, mm. and when they were just talking about hey what, what what do you have in mind and I just started showing a bunch of different things and then one of the one of the um, one of the ideas was like turning Floor Kids into a game and when when he saw that he was he said oh we're, we're down for that but we started development in Bank in sorry in in Montreal mm. and then shortly after that Mike moved to the west coast which is when amesh um joined the team and mike said oh that this is the kid who has to has to build the engine for this so i was like right on <laughs> yeah so that was Amesh, your first exposure to kid or kid koala slash floor kid slash john john or had you had you heard of it before well i definitely heard of uh kid koala being a big fan <laughs> for a long time and and when mike came to town he was uh just having coffee with people and and I I, um, I I chatted with them at a coffee shop for like two hours like we, we had a, like a half hour time slot meeting and we just kept talking about like how like he introduced the game he showed me a prototype of like this smooth tree and stuff that like John had animated and it looked amazing and then like there was like this this amazing beat on it and like and Kid Koala was mentioned and I was just like what this is crazy um i don't know that we had thought about at that time put it yeah no we didn't we didn't have it um scheduled to be a like switch title because I, I don't think the nintendo switch was even a thing uh, when we started development it was mm. going to be a mobile game right yeah i was told like <laughs> we just kept talking about features and stuff like that i yeah met met mike and that was that was seven years ago the rest was history <laughs> Yeah, Mike. Mike knew right away. Mike called us and was like, "I found, I found the kid. This, yeah, this is the dude." So I was like, "Yeah, let's go." Excellent. If I could just jump in, like absolutely, with uh, like the, it was more like the touch tablet, like finger touch experience that had been, you know, coming out all the, through the years, and it was Eric that was always telling me like he had this idea from the start of like you touch your finger in a circle and the character does a power move you know like that mm -hmm. was always just this like intuitive control mm -hmm. uh experience that we were trying to like figure out how to do and i think this was like even before indie games had really exploded he was always talking about it and then and then I think around 2009 was like when all these mobile games started like hitting it big. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when we started talking about it more. And we met Mike, I don't know, was it like 2012 or something? Some, some, at some point, this was like after the big like explosion of mobile and then mobile had become like its own industry that kept changing and stuff. Mm -hmm. We were just trying to catch a piece of it. And I think what happened was at the tail at the tail end uh, was when Switch was hitting and then we kind of just met them. And I remember not even knowing what a Switch was. I just remember like <laughs> flashbacks to my Nintendo. <laughs> like I was just like, oh, Nintendo. Yeah. But, uh, 
that's the biggest thing. I think like the, the the prospect of them reaching out and then like us just going for it and like mm -hmm. actually making a game for Nintendo was like a dream come true. Like you, you, you we, we all like our first game memories we just talked about it was Nintendo, right? And so like developing for this thing was, uh, yeah, definitely one of the proudest moments of, of my game development oh, career. I got it up right here. <laughs> Floor, yeah. kid, floor kids on the switch yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah, that was i think i wasn't that mike was actually were you there at that time nintendo met i wasn't mike there for the meeting time? but i remember you guys were super pumped i, I don't know you met was, them at i in think Montreal, mike was right? demoing it at some yeah. demoing our tablet version and and kirk from we were at meg or it was like mega or big Mo montreal remember. international oh, game uh, summit yeah yeah yeah, Rob was just there. Yeah, I was just there a lot. Like, two weeks ago? Three is that, weeks ago? Is that when Kirk like spoke to Mike about it? That's I heard after Mike said someone from Nintendo came by our, our table and, and wants to talk. So So it was no we were there, both me and Mike were there. Kirk so Kirk was one of the heads of the Nindies. Mm. Like Nintendo yeah. indie games. Nindies like, is still just a great name, I, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think all the other consoles had already opened up to indie development, but Nintendo had come like to it way later. Mm. But I think they wanted to do it with Switch. So we were among yeah. the first that they were trying to scout for Switch. But like Kirk just came by our like booth, which we had like our, you know, a prototype of uh, something on like a, on a tablet. And he didn't even bother to try it. He was just like, oh, I love it. You know, he loved the style music he just kind of associated it to like a tony hawk mm. kind of like game you know uh for like the culture you know like he just got it right away he didn't even need to try it he was just like ah, we want to we want to talk to you about this so that's kind of how you know and kirk kirk and mike i think they already had some connection from previous uh, communications so it was more like Mike uh, met with them because Mike was on the West Coast, so he just went down, I think, to Seattle to meet them. That's that's funny because uh, for me, the first year of the got... sorry, that's gonna say the first year of the Switch is defined by two BC slash Canadian <laughs> Indies, uh, Floor Kids and Celeste, which is like they they really hit it out of the gate. Oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Their goal to get Indies on the Switch. So job well done, Kirk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm curious in in an interview in an interview with Red Bull, John John, you said that uh, quote we started using uh, the original Floor Kids animations as a promotion for Kid Qual's new album, then as bumpers for each live show, uh, something to hype up the crowd. It worked well since his music is very visual, so we just clicked. Uh, how do you mean his music is very visual, and, and how how much an extension was it after that to video game? Because that's a very visual medium as well. Yeah, like what I mean by, so like when you listen to sound, you can easily get like a, a memory or like a texture of something. Like it, to me, I think that exists in all music kind of, right? Like music mm. can make you think of stuff. But Kikawala's music is, is, he's like an animator of sound. Like he, he's got everything in layers and got, he's like painting you a picture with sound, right? Like mm. 
I don't know how else to explain it, but it's uh, and he does visual art as well. He's made comic books and he can animate now. Like I've seen him animate stuff. Oh hell now, yeah! I'm not gonna take any credit for that, but like <laughs> uh, he's been animating and stuff. So like he must he he thinks visually, I think, but like also yeah. sound as well. The reason I was doing you know animation as well was like. I was kind of keeping this old paper technique alive because it was going out of style, going out of fashion. And I was also at the time like pretty deep in the, in the break scene, or at least I, I was trying to, you know, have a somewhat of a career, you know, like not career, but like trying to get somewhere with it. Mm -hmm. And the two things kind of collided where I was almost like, coming up with moves while animating or animating in order to figure out how I could do it. And it, there was no intention behind it. There was no like, we're going to do this and then this is going to happen. It was just mm. kind of like coming together and like just uh, creating. And then, you know, I was showing him some tests and it just so happened that, you know, he had a release coming and he just, I could see his mind going. He needed to like calculate like, you know, how fast could you do like a solo of this character and then another one of this character and then we do a battle. So he kind of had like a promo like layout already. And then I just did it, you know, like I was mm. just like, I couldn't say no to that. You know? I, re I remember when, when we did the shows, I forget which tour, but there was, there were two simultaneous tours at the time and I would screen John's Floor Kids battles mm. to the audience with the sound off and I would put the mics up and say, we're, we're actually trying to record audience, you know, applause and audience reactions to this battle. Right. We would roll the tape and honestly, it was like one of my favorite parts of the show huh. because the crowd was losing their minds. Like when yeah. they saw one of the kids do, Floor Kids do a combo and hold the freeze you literally hear the whole club would just be like shouting like no music playing no because we were actually recording huh. and that's when i knew i was like there's there's fire in what john draws you know because mm -hmm. that alone he lit up a whole club yeah. full of you know people just with how the characters were moving i think speaking to what he says about the vi the visual side of the music that I make is like, yeah, I've never really tried to make music and aim for the radio or, mm. you know, tried to climb the billboard charts and stuff. The stuff that really interested me was more soundtrack stuff with more um, narrative based, you know, experimental. So something stuff. that so that's always going to accompany a visual component. Well, usually that's actually in my mind. I'm usually trying to score a cartoon an imaginary scene or something mm. in the tracks anyway, even if that's not, you know, explicitly described in the title of the song or anything. Usually what's what's motivating me is this, this idea of a, a story and these characters. So Fender Bender, for instance, which was my first track from Carpal Tunnel Syndrome like, way back, that was released with an animated video and the the, the track itself was was a combination of, you know, hand loop beats with sound effects and two characters like having a car collision and arguing with each other and all done on turntables like through scratching and so i think that's that's the type of thing when you speak to animators they'll hear little sounds and little moments and like oh I, that that kind of inspires me to like draw something here or burst something there and i think with with i mean amesh you can speak to this i remember when we were working on the um 
floor kids thing and you added you added the bursts at one point you know at first it was the dancing we were already having fun doing that and then at one point you started adding these bursts that went so when the transition yeah yeah the little like the like flourish and all this stuff. yeah, yeah. really just up the ante on every we, we were so stoked i remember it's like oh yeah i've been yeah, at this point, we'd all been seeing the animation a million times and stuff, but then to feel the, the feedback and get that extra, you know, um, ex- extra energy on the screen through all, through all those effects was amazing. I remember when that was implemented, it was a big moment. It adds some people like, like a little piece of like, feedback like that is adds so much to an experience like Floor Kids. What are you going to say? The, the rumble, too. Um, <laughs> Like the, the thing we had with the switch is this like ability to have really detailed vibrations. The HD rumble, and like they the call sound, it. The, like the vibrations are actually sound design. Mm. Like they're the, when you when you like implement a vibration for um, a switch title, it, you're you're giving it a waveform, huh. and so that landed itself so perfectly to like this game. Like all the experiences, like. Um, I remember Roger, who was on the project, did did all the the rumble design, and like like would ask Eric for like sound bites, like or sample something from the the sound clip to like insert into the the rumble uh, engine or whatever creator, and and yeah, we'd get some like really wicked feeling out out of that. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, even when you're when you're if you're doing a a power move and your momentum slowed down and you fell yeah. or something, there would just be this instant feedback, you know, from the switch, which was, was fun. The rumbles are we happening. haven't heard from Rob. I That's feel true. like Rob needs to talk more. <laughs> I, that sounds so cool that you were just like, not just saying like, okay, go rumble, go, go. something happened, just like, go. The fact that it's using sound, like that's such a nice like linkage between the audio and feedback and visuals and everything. That's yeah, yeah. I so I played a lot of it on Stadia actually, and huh. I actually just enjoyed how like, for an audio game, particularly going through Stadia where it's like mainstream and stuff, it still works like so well, and it's still like it, it was such a great game to still play. And because um, I like as a game dev, I'm kind of sensitive to like latency and stuff and right. purchasing with the audio and rhythm games and stuff and but this just like held up so well and still worked yeah stadia was like actually really awesome yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of sad that it's gone but you can um, kind of like you could future proof your games with like that scratchy style that's sort of like you know it's it's rough on purpose and that like floor kids is going to look so much better in 2030 versus any triple a game released in 2017 you know what i mean <laughs> It's that, it's that Pringle-powered uh, artwork that's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go back and try it now on Switch. That's, yeah. Now look oh, man, the Switch was fun. great. I, done under the hood. I was going to say, we should probably shout out all the other, uh, we're everywhere, right? We're on uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Stadia, which is being uh, discontinued. Rest in peace. Yeah, launched uh, a year before yeah. Smash Ultimate on December 7th, 2017 on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, then came to Steam, Xbox One, and PS4 in 2018, Stadia in 2021. Uh, but I'm curious what the initial pitch was to you, Amesh, because I've read a couple of interviews that John John pitched it as uh, Journey, but for B-Boys. Was that the pitch from the jump for you, too? I, I sort of took it as, uh, I mean, the prototype that I was shown was that it was going to be a rhythm game, mm. um, and uh, the touch controls were actually like what sold me initially. Like you're you're touching the screen, 
like we didn't have we don't have the touch controls I, I believe in the switch version let me just check <laughs> um, did something but essentially um the the feeling like moving the character down with your finger you know going to down rock and like mm -hmm. dancing and like doing some like taps and like maintaining the, the the rhythm we had like oh i don't know like 20 plus different control schemes that we were working mm -hmm. on the game could have been like 20 different things like we we eventually settled on what what was best for the console at the time but like there's such a plethora of like awesome like ui or like control schemes that we we implemented for mobile mm -hmm. um and like one day one day we'll <laughs> floor kids too floor kids but too. like the it just felt so good and like just seeing that demo like you know mike brought the the tablet with him and i was like you know bringing noogie down like touching like dancing we added like a rhythm section to like where where like targets would pop out on the screen and you would tap the targets and oh hell yeah in the rhythm section and different targets did different things um there were so many iterations of that um and so there's just like a lot of potential that that's what i saw like uh the game design wasn't necessarily fixed and and we had the opportunity to make it the best that it could be um eventually like i think what our mantra was is is like yeah this is like the tony hawk of dance rhythm games um and that's kind of what we went with like over time like the the scoring mechanisms the, the sort of um yeah the, the feel of like getting combos and moves and like getting points and bonus points and stuff like we really like drew upon um our nostalgia for tony hawk there's got to be so much overlap between like breakdancing hip-hop and and skateboarding like because it is uh, that expressionism and that like free form like the movement it has got to be like those venn diagrams are overlapping a lot i imagine mm -hmm. yeah definitely as, as somebody who's played it who wasn't on the development team like it and who also played a lot of tony hawk that mm -hmm. definitely is firing off the same like flow when it, you really get into it that tony hawk would particularly with, like yeah just all the combos and the points and it's the same player experience of like that combos getting really high that like tony hawk meters yeah. getting really high, and that tension oh. builds with you like oh my god oh my god are we gonna <laughs> are we gonna land it am i gonna come out of the the spin and and not fall over am i gonna hit the troop triple ollie or whatever that's so that's so interesting John John, uh, you said in another interview that, uh, quote, 
A lot of people don't appreciate the sketch look since they think it isn't finished. It's something <laughs> that's always been viewed as a stepping stone. I was wondering, was there any initial, uh, as you were pitching Floor Kids to anyone, does anyone like, why does it look so sketchy? Why is it like that? Did, did that not click for some people? I don't know. I'm sorry I wrote these words somewhere <laughs> in the past. Uh, um, you know, okay, so, well, before we go to there, like, let me mm. just say it was like skateboarding, breaking, like, oh, I yeah. did, I do both. I still do both. Um, there's another game on PS2, PSP, that's worth a shout out, is B-Boy for PS2. Okay. Um, so that one is also something that we looked at and, and tried also to not replicate. So our game is very different from B-Boy for PS2, mm. which uses mocap of real dancers, like from that era. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just say, like, there, there's a famous uh, skateboarder named Chad Muska who showed up one time to a, a skate competition. He brought a bunch of b-boys, and they started breaking. And uh, at my high school, there was a couple dudes who did both. And m one of my first experiences with a crew, like, showed up to a skate park, and they were, like, leaving skateboarding, uh, leaving breaking to learn skateboarding and then we were trading moves with each other huh. uh, so it's kind of like there's some crossover in the real world um and there's some skate styles that involve a lot of like hand plants and stuff like that right so i definitely think that they're they're like they're not the same but they come from a similar like trial and error creativity expression physicality and stuff um yeah. but in terms of the, the rough the rough style. I'll put it this way. It's like coming from the standard method of animating. Usually loose, sketchy lines are part of a prototyping process, uh, an iterative process. And then the final look gets approved by a higher up kind of hierarchy process. So it's kind of like there's just this idea embedded into the way we animate that like it's never finished, it's never looks good enough kind of thing but there's another angle to drawing which is kind of like you know gestural capturing a capturing a quick motion mm -hmm. and and you kind of leave it you know you kind of capture the speed with which you put down the lines is also the speed with which the eye reads the motion so mm. you, the fact that you drew it fast gives it more motion so that's like a concept that has always stuck with me Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think it, it creates a little bit of an advantage to be able to like draw the frames as fast as you can and have it look, have it embedded in the style that it's like, that it's actually supposed to look that way, you know? Mm. Um, so that's just kind of something that I, I can do both like super clean and super loose. But I prefer the loose at least right now because I feel like that's my voice when it comes to how I work and it's just part of the technique so yeah I don't know you were doing all that, you'll, you'll uh, find like, that you were doing all the lines on paper too right John like for, for the most part yeah I mean like yeah. the very first few floor kids videos were all on paper but then as we got into the game uh, side of production most of it was done hand drawn on a Cintiq mm. like a Cintiq uh, drawing tablet. Wacom, uh, yeah, it's a drawing tablet monitor. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of go back between the two. Like, I think there's a point where you get too much digital that you don't feel good. You know, mm. like you have to go back traditional old school type of stuff. So 
it just depends, you know. It's, it's know, as close as you can get to freestyle animating. Yeah, yeah. So like, animating, I mean, that's what I call it. <clears throat> John, John, like when we were during crunch at Hollow Labs, I don't remember. It'd be like four in the morning mm -hmm. or something, and I'd just have my headphones on, working on sounds, and then I'd look behind me and then sort of on the other end of, of hollow labs john would just be on the floor like holding a freeze or just repeatedly doing like a 1990 spin or something mm -hmm. and and just shut the, up just, no i remember i remember <laughs> I was like why are you doing that? he was doing that i mean i don't know if it was for yoga reasons to get more blood to the head or something like that but <laughs> whatever reason he just had such a like intimate um knowledge of that movement that mm. he wasn't he wasn't animating from freeze framing and rotoscoping break battles or anything he was actually doing a lot of these moves or just knew you know the gravity and the torque and all that stuff so well that when he drew it 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 felt real and i noticed that from the from the first time he showed me i think it was just noogie doing a six step on paper and i was like man the 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 gravity everything's like right about this and you know because he's a uh, b-boy himself i think that's that's one of those things that this 2d drawn version <laughs> this couldn't have been done without john because because he's a B -boy. you were your own you know? reference for the animation like like you were the primary source like if i wanted to make a breakdancing game i'd got to go do a lot of research you would just be like oh no this is what breakdancing looked like because i did it this morning <laughs> Right. Yeah. A, okay. a, little, yeah like, a little bit of that in terms of how the rotations are. But then obviously there's, I don't, I wouldn't claim that John John can do all the moves that all these characters can do, but he, at least from, from <laughs> being in the scene and watching it so much and also dancing himself, I think he just has such an advantage in terms of the ability to, to transfer that to a 2d animated, you know, uh, you know, I can claim I can claim that I have attempted every single move in this game, even if it's just in my mind. Even if it's like just in my mind, I'm attempting. <laughs> like hey, a mess, I, you know, mess like, oh. <laughs> I guess yeah, I so, guess I can as well. A mess, you and me fist bump. <laughs> um, the other thing with break is that it could be the same move, but there's a different flavor to it. So mm. it's like separate being able to capture a different style of the same movement mm -hmm. so like part of that is coming from the scene like my level of inspiration is like i gotta go watch some i gotta go to a to a battle or, or watch a cypher like in the real like in a live setting and then i'm gonna come away with like just such a level of engagement that i'm gonna like draw a sketch and then the game you know like I guess, you know, I would have considered myself like either I quit or I retired, you know, <laughs> from from breaking like hardcore because, you know, it, it takes a toll on your joints. You know, you it looks like it does. <laughs> but I would say that the game started to bring it back out of me. Like when, when Eric's talking about me like doing these moves, it's just because I think it's almost like the animation, the game made me think I could again. You know, it was like, it's weird. It's like, uh, it just brought it back out of me, huh. even though I, I should be like too old for this, but I guess I'm not. In a way, like you can always learn how to move for your level, right? So as I get stiffer, <laughs> <laughs> and older there's still a way i could be like fresh you know and mm. um yeah i think that there's like i've seen it happen as well with little kids playing the game 
after two seconds of mashing the buttons, they're they're like just starting to dance on the floor. Like they're like not even separating the idea of a game and reality. They're just kind of like so engaged by the music, the colors, the I don't know. There's all these different characters in the game, right? So everybody can find someone in the game, like some character that they can like fall in love with, kind of. You know? mm. So I've seen it where like really small kids, they're just getting into it for real. You know, they just want to move. And I've seen it happen at, like, game conventions or, like, you know, networking stuff where someone is, you know, I'm trying to get them to play the game. And they're like, oh, I don't I don't have rhythm. I don't I don't dance. I don't know about this, you know. And then they try it. And then later at the cocktail at night, they come up to me and they're dancing. They're like, oh, yeah, you know. And I'm like, I think that there's some, like, interplay with our game with, like, you know, familiarizing that to people, I mm. guess. Yeah, like I, I don't play God of War and go out and just start ripping people in half. I play Floor Kids and I hop down the street to my own beat. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm trying to yeah, figure I out mean, with our old office. Where where were you reenacting the, the movements? Was this in the kitchen or where or in the front room? Uh, the front room. The the shoe marks are still there. We left the shoe marks <laughs> when we moved out of that space. There's just beautiful. like a circle of like John's feet. That's beautiful. Art <laughs> yeah, was John made here. Yeah. Like 20 minutes or something, and then he's like, "I need an eye break." And then he would just start spinning on his head. <laughs> well, there was that meetup too, though, in the in the square that you'd go to. I went to a couple of those to watch. That was awesome. Right, right. Oh man, those, those yeah, those kids were uh, they were smart because they went and got um, a linoleum from like I don't know Home Depot or whatever, but it had like a bit of a cushion padding in it, Ooh. so they would lay it down on the concrete. But you could do like head builds, and like your head would be all cushioned. It was like a super good trick, you know. Huh. Uh, so like, and, and, you know, Victoria, Victoria, BC, it's like the secret to Canadian weather. It's like never too hot, never too cold. <laughs> it's always fresh and crisp, always good. It's the better like, ocean um, for sure. Me. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, John, I remember John would just walk down the street and it'd be about three in the morning and we'd be looking for snacks. And then he, and he was like, this weather is the truth. That's beautiful. <laughs> Well, as somebody who's not actually from Victoria, I've lived a few years in Montreal and outside Toronto, and the running joke is it's half of Victoria's is people who came out to visit somebody and decided not to get on their flight back home. <laughs> and it's, it's just unreal out here. West Coast, best coast. The grooves are the keys. Search for them. They will lead you to your next destination.
another question for uh, Amesh then. How iterative was the design of Floor Kids? Uh, was it no fail, pure expressionism from the beginning and just honing in on that? Or were there, you mentioned a lot of iterations in terms of input, but in terms of like scoring and structure, like was failing ever a possibility a la other rhythm games like Guitar Hero or Parappa the Rappa? Yeah, I think there was an iteration where where there was like a fail state. Uh, we 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 definitely toned that down uh, mm. because like yeah, like the the push like from from the team from John and Eric like was was to make sure that expression was was number one. Mm. Like we we really focused and and in doing that like you know that directive actually just allowed us to explore a hundred different designs. You know, like go mm. down any kind of form of expression there and and it it just kind of came down to like what how do we like lay out this button you know these buttons in a way that you can express yourself so there was there were a ton of iteration to find you know what the right feel for that is mm -hmm. like and and to be accessible there are a lot of different control schemes that were like I, really complicated like only i could do it and like but it was like feeling really good and everybody would like pick this up and be like what 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 am i doing like, what did you do here? <laughs> it's like, okay, not that one. <laughs> well, you nailed it because, like, this is one of this and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe with the smart steer on are the only two games I'll play with my cousins at Christmas. Because, like, playing <laughs> games with kids who can't play games is very frustrating for me. <laughs> and these two let you do it. And they look good playing the game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and that's a testament to, like, the, the animation trees. Like, there's just so much data in John's animations. Like, they're mm. the, uh, and and it's meticulous so like initially when i came on the project there was like this this hand kind of made graph where like you would take each frame and put it in this like linkage system and then like there were exit points and whatever but like doing that by hand was gonna take forever when i saw what john was doing with like his naming conventions like he was like really meticulous about like okay this is like move frame one this is like frame one exit to frame seven from this move like we really nailed a way to like automate all of that and so like i was able to write just graph data structures in the back end to like connect everything and everything is connected yeah, it's it's kind of beautiful, like because you can just do anything, and then that allowed us to to explore any kind of input to those controls because we knew that okay, if I'm starting at top rock indie step, and I want to get to like the power move, I can find a path through like John's like exits and entrances uh, to get to that move, um, and then I you know we optimized and like you know tested all the things like if we found like oh this move is taking too long to like get there because we we had like a we kind of nailed a frame count for transitions like it could only last this long otherwise like the transition time messes with your your rhythm and and your your freedom of expression then is lost so mm -hmm. cutting down those transitions like was key so like anytime like we found that like I wrote a tool to like uh, check the tree systems to like go to every path and then any any frames that were less or greater than, I don't know, 20 or something, I would flag it and then tell John and it's like, we need an exit from here to here um, and then do a shortcut. Uh, and then we would throw that into the, the move tree. Um, but yeah, it was it was awesome. It was it was so fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally thousands and thousands of transition frames. Okay, so basically, Amesh designed a system where he came up with the concept of quickest path. Mm. So basically, you know, most video games have an idle state, mm -hmm. and the idle state is the linkage to every other move, like an attack or you know, run, jump, shoot. There's always like coming back to an idle. So. With, with dancing, or at least specifically with break, idle is 
is our fail state, right? It's like you're not, mm. you're actually whack idling there or standing and doing the same thing, right? Right. So the real idol in our game is just the move that you are in at the moment. So if you're continuing that move, that's your center point. And so the quickest path allows for whatever move you call, like if, you, if you're in a windmill and then you, you're trying to do another move, like a freeze or something, you do that freeze move, then the windmill will find its closest exit and it'll either go directly to the freeze if it's the fastest path, or it'll go to another move that can get you into the freeze. So there's already a natural kind of combination aspect to the way our, our, our game is functioning. And that's just because we have all these linkages. To me, it was genius when he when he came up with that. He explained it to me and it totally made sense. Because before then, it was me and Mike building this handmade move tree map, mm. which is like, which was also really cool because it looked, it's very visual. Mm-hmm. Whereas currently, there's not really a visual way to think about it. It's just kind of like you play it, find out, right? Mm-hmm. But the visual way was painstakingly, you know, handmade. You'd have to like get to each frame and decide, you know, do you continue or is there an exit point? So I think Mike just didn't know how to handle that. And, uh, you know, basically a mesh came on and solved it. And I, I think that the move naming stuff was just my way. Like, I just got to keep things organized. There's so many file names, so many <laughs> characters. And I'm a stickler, I guess, for, you know, keeping it like spelled properly and stuff. Mm. Another thing, so like, helpful. when I was taught... <laughs> I mean, as a programmer, what? I'm sure that... As a programmer, I'm sure Amesh appreciated that. Very much. <laughs> so did you guys have yeah, um, quick and tight iteration times then? Like, just with being able to... With all those tools and everything, like, get a build and be able to see what the new new looks were, the new moves, the new control schemes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the animations were, were running, like, the and the graph importing was running in parallel to the the control scheme development and stuff so like yeah if we had like you know john was working on those characters like throughout the whole development um and as, as soon as we'd get a new character we'd, we'd be trying it out because like and that's the thing like all these characters have such different feel yeah um and it's and it's like not just like it wasn't enough to just say like oh my tool has flagged this transition as being long john would be like well you can't get there from this move so like that's the thing you know like and then you start to know the characters can get to this move faster if you go into this move first Mm. and so there's like a little bit of like discovery there where you can actually really master a character and get to know their their transition points even and that's something that is kind of a hidden part of the game um it's not it's not explained to okay because the physical space there's like a respect for the physics right like break physics Mm. so like if you take windmill, windmill, the angle, usually you can't just do one windmill and end up in the same spot. You have to rotate like three, like at least three, maybe four times, depending on the flexibility of your legs, right? So mm-hmm. that means there's three windmill animation cycles from different angles linking to each other to make the windmill. Mm-hmm. For example, like swipe, there's like five or six cycles of the move. So it goes in a big circle. Mm-hmm. So there's like the physics of where the character ends up in that particular frame that you're calling the next move, it has to, you know, be believable, I guess, according to our logic. Mm. Like, we could have done it where it just, like, you know, a flash explodes and then you just end up in the move, right? Like, it could have been like that. That wouldn't have felt good. Yeah, and so I kind of look at it like we made, like, five different games 
throughout. Like we released <laughs> what we released, but it's kind of like if you showed up to a battle, you did your first round, you did a bunch of moves. I feel like we did our first round of Floor Kids. It was like you know just getting the touchdown on mobile, and then the second round was like how do we figure out monetizing in a mobile space? And then we we're like, well, that's not gonna work. We gotta do this. And then we switched it into you know Nintendo Switch. We kept the touch Switch. Yeah, we switched it into Switch. We could have could have played like I was able to play touch and buttons at the same time at some point, but. In order to make the parity happen between those controls, we either had to like go back to what different system, or we just cut the touch. So we got to cut the touch because what we tried to do was we tried to replicate a rhythm pad on on the buttons. Mm-hmm. So like before on on our tablet game, like on touch, you could swipe in directions. You could do like circles for power. You could swipe up and down to get from top rock to down rock. Mm-hmm. But for anything like rhythmic like dancing you'd have to tap it to the beat and so we tried to make the buttons a tapping it to the beat kind of control and it was too confusing for the average player so mm. we we kind of had to just tie each move to one button and make it like more traditionally uh that kind of a game control um so i feel like we also have to shout out all these other people that were you know involved like Phil Roasting who like made the score like he uh he adapted one of the five uh, international judging standards for the five-point scoring standard in our game. Huh. Uh, so, like, it's, the scoring system is, like, super underrated, but, like, super deep, like, if you look into it. And then Jody, she's a B-girl or a retired B-girl. She's specializing also in, like, game design. Mm. And so her her version of the game is a true rhythm game. I don't feel like our current game is a true, true rhythm game. It's, like... Uh, kind of a hybrid but hers is really like you follow along and there's a right and a wrong kind of thing mm. um, but yeah there's like a whole bunch of stuff that we developed and it's kind of like we freestyled it we just kind of figured out what worked and what didn't work and then we kind of put it all together I, I kind of see it. you got in the studio and just started spitting <laughs> the game dev studio so, man. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of like that yeah <laughs> that's beautiful your holes in check there's a moment that eric he manifested the strobe i don't know if you know about strobe that was my next question but go go ahead everybody had like a pet function that they wanted in the game right like when i talk about touch and it getting cut it, it hurts you know because <laughs> i really wanted that in the game because it was so fun mm-hmm. but you know maybe in the future right right but like and and Mike wanted the baseball card collectible, you know, in the in the in the break deck. Mm. You know, a mesh got the quickest quickest pass. So Eric was always talking about this thing from like Virtua Fighter, you know, like the drunken Oh, master, that's what it is. Out. I know exactly what you're talking about now that you know I just I mean? made that connection you know just I mean? now. And and I think it comes from a place where he's trying to show off my drawing because everyone takes it for granted the smoothness of the animation and he was like, We gotta slow it down and break it down so that they realize there's a drawing on every single frame here. He kept talking about it the whole project, and I think we were all just busy doing our things. Like, I was always like, yeah, yeah, I'll tell him. You know, I told him, you know, I'm like, I put the request in, and like, I don't think anybody really understood it until Eric was mashing the switch. He was just like mashing it. He was trying to explain it to a mesh and he glitched it. And the animation actually glitched and started to freeze frame. Yeah. (laughs) 
he was mashing the X button, and then Eric got all excited. He was like, there, he's right there, like that. And I was like, oh, shit, what? And then, sorry, I, I swore, but I don't know. No, that's okay. This is an explicit podcast. Your mom will play it in the car because it got cursing in it. Uh, Amesh was like, oh, that's a bug. I got to get rid of it. And we were like, no, don't take it out. He's like, I got to get rid of this bug. It's and I feature. think from that moment, we were like, yeah, like from that moment, we were like, okay, this is actually important. We got to design this. But I was like, don't fix it. <laughs> I just remember a mesh going back to his desk. Like, I got to figure out this bug because that, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so beautiful, and I I, I remember reading of um, you mentioned in an interview with Shaq News about the strobing thing was initially a bug that you turn into the future, uh, and I was curious, was there any other points in the game where something? Because that's I feel like with breakdancing or with with skateboarding, sometimes someone will mess up and be like, wait, that looked cool, do that again, like like that's where a lot of that comes from. Was there anything in the game's development other than the strobing that sort of came out of an accident or a mistake? You're like, wait, that looks sick. Let's let's refine that and put it in more deliberately. I think like the thing that sticks out the most is mm. the strobe feature. Um, there were a lot of weird things that would happen. Um, yeah, like sometimes frames wouldn't load and stuff like that. Like we had like some serious amounts of bright sheet loading and unloading and stuff like that in this game. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. Like there's everything else was really coming from a place of like passion. Like John was saying, like everybody championed this like thing that they wanted. You know, um, I would say like Aaron, our UI designer, was really into the the break deck cards um yeah. to the point where we actually printed some and we, we did like a first run of four kids cards but the, the other thing that was like super cool about that that scene eric you you did like 500 something scratch noises for this scene we had to cut it down but like you, you can like oh, kind of right, like right. scratch like when you move around on the, the card <laughs> right. playing a different random sound so instead of it always triggering like the same sound every time you go from card to card mm-hmm. which would get repetitive i was like oh well you could actually you know i just did i just did a little scratch solo and then i sliced everything up and then assigned each of those slices to every move which i think just gets triggered randomly now I think I yeah I think I maybe had a folder with five hundred and it was just it was large different ways on the huh. turntable like with every bend and every tear or 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 you know drag I could throw into the just give it more flavor and then so you can actually just scroll through the cards and sound like you're just cutting it up <laughs> because there's enough uh, variety there's enough variety there to make it sound like a live like turntable solo so, so beautiful was, yeah those are one of those funny little things that we added but i remember the strobe especially i was kind of like at that point we had assigned all the buttons like all the bumpers and all the all the and there was nothing left right and we were like well how do we get to this and, and that's when we decided oh but these, these joysticks on this on the switch also click down i don't even know what the everyone always is. forgets about the l3 r3 just waiting to come in at the end right, and right. be assigned so then, to something then that's when we tried i remember a mesh Doing it for the first time, I was like, this is really hard, but really satisfying. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, so that was one of those, those things that I mean, I still considered it a hidden sort of feature. I think maybe there's one game prompt, like, during the loading where it tells you about that. I definitely did it by accident for the first time, yeah, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think people honest. started to learn or find it and then realize, oh, this is how, how you can get there. Um, but yeah, fun. That, the, the strobing is one of those things, like, 
for me, like Floor Kids is a game I, I like to show people because people will, and it's only like one or two minutes. And, uh, and the strobe effect in particular is like, you're like, watch this. And then it just breaks down and, and slows down. And, and that, that, that's one of those things that adds to Floor Kids as like a spectator game for me. And just like in game, like I've, I've set it up at family functions and just like in game, everyone's around the beat dancer. Everyone in my living room's around me looking over at the TV. And it's just so crazy how that emulates real life to the, the game setting, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. And John, you were, like when we were at uh, PAX and we were showing the game, um, we had we had to only play the game with this the 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 controllers, the Joy Cons detached, right? And then like oh, yeah, this yeah. is just uh, a revelation because yeah. like you loved it, you you had then freedom of motion to like kind of move with <laughs> the game. That was okay, like yeah. a cool yeah. So back like backstory to that was okay. Kurt when he brought us on, I think his that thing was you wanted motion controls. Mm. So, because like Switch has touch, which we already had, but we had to cut it. It's got the buttons, obviously. And it's got these Joy-Cons that detach and there's like a motion that you could design into it. Mm-hmm. Now that, we, we had to like make, you know, there's a certain time constraint to everything, right? So we just had to make sure we could ship a game. So we didn't end up being able to develop motion controls, even though that was kind of what Bill Kirk was hoping for, right? <laughs> yeah. But so we show up to, uh, what was Nindy's at Night at uh, Pat's West, and it's Nintendo's setup to show off all their like new titles. So the Switch was going to be docked, and we had to have our Joy-Cons detached, and normally you would have those little, uh, that little controller. The wussy straps. Where you slide the Joy-Con. Uh, whatever the one, the one that's like, put it in and it, you put both in and it's oh, like yeah. a controller, right? Yeah. It looks like a puppy. Yeah, yeah, so, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever it is, whatever the ones, we didn't have them, right? We didn't have anything to put them in. So that's the moment where I was just like, well, I'm just going to hold them vertically in my hand mm-hmm. and play like, like with my hands free. But then I realized that I could like top rock while playing the game. So I started like just in the before all the people came in, like people were starting to line up, but I was just playing it just to test it. So I started like kind of just top rocking while playing my game. And one of the other devs from one of the other games was like, hey, you don't have motion control. <laughs> what did that feel like? And I was just like, I was just like, <laughs> He's just cool with it. Oh, that was hilarious. That was just so funny. Because I guess from a game developer standpoint, it, it seems like, you know, hey, you're like, you're selling it rough, you know. But, um... I move a lot while I play games, too. Yeah, right? Like, that's like a, a very old school thing where you're, like, trying to jump over a gap and your controller goes up. You know, you try oh, to, like... yeah, I do that. Force the character to jump higher. When I play Mario Kart, sometimes if like I take a if I take a really hard drift, I'll like lean a bit and like I don't know, <laughs> I just like can't not do it when I'm playing a game. Sometimes it, it helps. Though, it? Yeah. Definitely it definitely helps. Forward and really focus. And exactly. Then, yeah.
have a question for you, Eric, about making beats for a game specifically, because there's going to, and I imagine from your traditional, like you're, you're used to performing and recording in sessions with a lot of noise going on, but in a game, there's going to be sound effects coming in on top. There's going to be a lot of things you can't account for. And, and how was that process for you? Did you find any particular challenges uh, just making for a game that you hadn't encountered before? Yeah, it's more to do with like frequency ranges mm. and stuff, just scooping out sections or making sure that the sound design elements in terms of the, the audio feedback for certain uh, moves or for certain special moments in the game would cut through right. the track. I still wanted the tracks to just bang and just be loud and like pulsed. So that so I was there, but then when I was designing the, the sound design came after the tracks were done. Gotcha. So it's probably the last few sessions I was in, in Hollow Labs doing mostly sound design because most of the tracks were already in place at that point. Mm. But um, all the effects, yeah, like were very musical. Everything like worked together, especially like the menus. Like that's one of my favorite things is just like going on the map and like going back and forth and hearing that that like tone, like that that oh, main, right, yeah. main like riff, just like you can control it over top of like the back. Yeah, piece. yeah. That's so Again, fun. it's kind of like giving you the ability to do a little solo, even if you're just yeah. rolling through stuff, but hopefully, you know, pitching everything so it's still at least in key with the beat and it's still kind of funky and, and and the yeah the tones i was pretty pretty microscopically like purposefully trying to make sure that hey this is the type of synth sound that would be over this you know 70s style groove or something and and let's use that as the, as the as the, the menu switch key or something so it wasn't just like a mishmash generic stuff i mean every everything was pretty design there i mean so many nights i was just cursing john while he was in the room like <laughs> animating in the other corner where i'm just scrubbing through say saboya doing one of his power moves and i'm just there actually doing the foley because there's that element too it's pretty subtle but it's there where his <laughs> uh where his, you know it's yeah like say he's doing a windmill or something like that then i'm i'm actually trying to make the <laughs> yeah and them so wearing headphones it, it it, it matches when that sneaker goes wow. in the foreground. And so I just like every single frame, but then I couldn't really whine about it because John had to draw every one of those frames. <laughs> Match had to like code him. Oh, <laughs> no. Things, like, all right, I guess we're here. Just like uh, <laughs> the, the menial task, the tedious task force crew here. Tedious task force. <laughs> like, one thing at a time, but we got through it, and and I mean, it was yeah. For me, I, I wouldn't have traded for anything. It was a great time. And hopefully, you feel that you know when you play. If if I ever make a studio, can I steal a tedious task force as the name? I really like that. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when Eric was in the studio, um, like doing all that foley, I feel like you did the the cutscene tracks like at the end as well. There was this moment where we were all like sitting there late at night coding or whatever John was animating and then this like this like this like deep like the cutscene beat was like playing and we were just like what is this? This is so good. <laughs> it was like I remember that so vividly, like hearing that for the first time and just like that was awesome. Dance was Warrior, it. your challenge begins. <laughs> yeah. That was fun, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of music, wasn't it? Like over forty you know, or something. But yeah, even then, even with the menu, right? Uh, the menu was like we wanted different menu music. So if you hit it 
three times from now, hopefully it's a different backing track and it's not always like the exact same experience. So. Yeah, I mean, like you could play the menu music like like an instrument. You could like make your own song by like tapping, you know. Yeah, and that, that's part. That's the thing about Floor Kids as far as expression. Like even from the menu, like the speed at which I move my cursor is gonna create a different sound. And so, like I found when I'm going down, I was just like boom. Boom, 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 and then go back up, and I'm like, from the from the menu, you're expressing yourself a little bit, and that's just one of the beautiful parts of Floor Kids, in my opinion. I do want to get more. We're gonna have to do a live concert of that, just people playing the menu. I would love to. I would love to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we mentioned before you were, as you were making the soundtrack, you ha- you have a uh, record cutter in your studio that you were putting it on to immediately get on a turntable to start playing. Yeah. I imagine there's like an easier way to do that digitally, but like what? Why did you want it? Put it on a vinyl. Put it on the turntable right there. It's super super nerdy, and I don't even know if. And <laughs> I, I guess in game terms, it's a feel thing. Right. But for me, I can hear the difference between a a digitally cut up push push and pull on a on a digital file and something that's done off vinyl there's a lot of choices if i were to list some it's kind of like if you played a guitar there's the notes you're trying to hit but there's all these other notes like sliding through the, the fret sliding up the, the neck of the guitar in between the notes there's also fret buzz how high the string is what kind of pickups you're using you know humbuckers single close all those things in guitar world makes and and to me i mean if you've been scratching as long as i have um it's just something that i miss when it's not there and so that's that's part of it like the, the texture of it on a piece of wax to pick which needle to use to, to record from because some of some of the needles that i have are really hi-fi mm. real bright other ones purposefully i've wired out of phase because it has a different effect or it's a worn out needle and has kind of a rolled off like funkier tone mm. so depending on what era of track it was i would kind of like push it in that direction and the whole idea of music for floor kids would start you know with the 70s aesthetics in terms of like the compressors you're using the mics you're using the drum the drum set all that and then all the way to i guess by the time you get to the un it was like yes synth beats and beyond kind of really clear it's the peace of it. sounds. The peace what's summit. that the, the peace summit, bro the peace summit. What oh the peace summit, the peace summit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't even like gotten to that. I'm not there yet either. I'm like, I have my switch and I'm like, it's locked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can't. We're gonna do it tomorrow. We're gonna get like. We can battle. No, I remember when you unlock the game and then I'm there and I can learn one of the songs. By learning one of the songs, I mean one of the songs that I actually made, but I forgot all the like targets and the choruses and whatever. But if if we were at PAX or something, I would just practice. I would practice like racket there at the at the um at the peace summit there and what was the track called the ones that's the one that's the one that i can i can do i could probably beat john on that one okay with racket and then he could probably steal me on every other i think we have to put that to a battle soon yeah 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 let's do it let's do it Uh, he beat you in the shack news uh uh video for me or pax 2018 so i'm I'm down to see a rematch yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, found, he like switched up the track at the last minute. I was practicing on a, on the on <laughs> Sure you were. <laughs> Four, three, two, one.
I'll, I'll throw this one to everyone. Is there a particular uh, a detail in Floor Kids uh, that especially you, you want people to know that, that doesn't jump out at people? Because I always find there's those little things that you don't notice, but if they weren't there, you would, if that makes sense. Is there any of that you in Floor Kids you'd like to highlight? Well, personally, I, I love I love a lot of what uh, the background characters, a lot of the stuff that John threw in there. I mean, Dell makes a cameo, right? The funky homo sapien? Yeah, he's in one of them. You got to find him. I got to go find him um, now. You got to find him. And then <laughs> actually Aaron's, Aaron's uh, arcade games in the arcade scene, like some of the titles still crack me up. Like I got to go back and look. Oh, yeah. Those are Oh yeah, hilarious. just go look at those. Like one of them was was it midlife crisis or something? Instead <laughs> yeah, of midlife crisis. crisis. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people's midlife crisis is buying a time crisis cabinet for their home. Right, so. right. So there you go. Well, no, he yeah, had midlife crisis. We got designs on those those arcade consoles, and I guess. Oh the yeah, there's a shout out to them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On. So you have to kind of look like right at that split second to catch some of his jokes in there, but they are yeah. funny. So like with with the crowd characters, mm. it's a lot. Was an opportunity to put like people from the crew, you know, like a mesh, like a mesh is in there. I gotta find a mesh. Yeah, yeah. everybody's in there. I'm in oh there man, twice. Yeah. <laughs> twice. So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> We're all jealous. We're all saying, uh, like, "You guys have those awesome uh, sketches of yourselves." And, That's so hype. Yeah. Like Dell, Dell is in there because he's crew with Eric, right? Like, yeah. um, so a lot of it is. It's not necessarily going to be like famous people mm. that you can pinpoint. It's more like you know, uh, people from our team, our family, our, our crew, our people we like, you know, came artists with and stuff. Like Lil's uh, there, right? Re- Lil's in there. Yeah, Lil. So uh, Lil, Lillian is the reason I met John. Lillian Chan, who's an mm. animator in Toronto, a uh, good friend of both John and I. Um, I was. Yeah. I was brought in to the NFB to work on some me- a little bit of music for for her short film, and her and John were sharing a, a, a studio mm. at the NFB, and that's how we met. Because I was there for a meeting with Lil, and she's like, "Oh, I want you to do John," and and he was showing me his film Asthma Tech, which was amazing, and then. You know, we started talking about hip hop and stuff, and then he showed me the the Noogie Six Step on paper, just like a flip book that he'd made. And I was like, "This is insane!" You know, so really, <laughs> I saw Lil in one of the. I think where's she? Is she in the? She's, uh, she's at the outdoor corner. Is one of the outdoor ones. Gotcha. The yeah, curb? the corner. The, the she's corner there, area. yeah, and she has a stroller because at the time at the time we were making the game, like she just had a kid. So Aww. <laughs> That's that's actually one of my favorite details is in the in the um the final like score tally scene. Your kids are are shouting like the number of crowns you got like four. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I love that right detail. Now. That that's yeah, yeah. They don't sound like that at all anymore. Like their voices. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're the ones going go go go. go. Oh man, like, that's so cute. Yeah, I, I sampled them on an SV twelve hundred and cut it to vinyl and then threw it back in. That's so, so beautiful. But yeah, youngest yeah. voice cut to vinyl in your career? Possibly, yeah. Possibly, yeah. I think so. Nice. Yeah.
right, as far as uh, since release, uh, how did you find the reception? Was, was there a difference in reception from gamers and the hip-hopping, breakdancing community? Yeah, I, I would say so, yeah. Mm. What would you think the key differences you noticed were? So I think that since a lot of promotion has to be through like internet, social media, mm. I think that we got quickly, I guess I would call this overbranded. We almost got overbranded by other rhythm game experiences. Mm. So people would just kind of already have an identity that's like, I'm not a rhythm gamer, so I'm I'm not really gonna even try it kind of thing. So I feel Man. like I feel like we didn't have an answer to that because we didn't expect that, you know, mm. or at least I didn't expect to kind of like because yeah. there's so much stuff involved that you don't necessarily need to have chops as a rhythm gamer to enjoy the game, like you said earlier, like you know, kids could mash and still get pretty far, although the game is so detailed that you, you can't mash to win the game, obviously. But mm-hmm. I just think um, there was a lot of stuff missed because there's a certain surface surface interpretation. Mm. Um, as far as, like, break and hip-hop, they just saw it and were like, whoa, that's real. <laughs> this is, like, reality. Even though the characters are drawn, like, completely like circle head, you know, they kind of saw themselves reflected. And I mean, I don't want to get too like, like there's in the history, there's like different crews and different styles and different ways. And there's, there's fight in fighting about what is, you know, what is good and what is not. Mm-hmm. And the, the feedback I was getting was like, you, you, you showed everybody, you, you included everybody, like you had everyone there. Like, even though it's not, like, specifically famous people in there, like, their styles are kind of represented. So you could, like, you know, we had a a line. It was, uh, bring your skills, build your crew, find your style kind of thing. That that kind of summed it up. You could kind of find what you wanted in the game, you know, in the character and play it how you wanted to play it. So I think that those are quite different interpretations, especially sometimes now there's people from break that still haven't played the game because they don't have a console but they love it you know what i mean right. and then there's but then there's people that come from gaming and they gave it a chance and they love it and now they love it you know they they i don't i don't know if i can say people got into it because of it mm. but maybe you know some kids got more interested in it um, oh, i was i was one of those kids my, yeah thank you thank you man um, I don't know, like maybe uh, from, like I remember PAX West, hmm. a bunch of rhythm gamers showed up and our game hadn't fully been like finalized to the version now. It was kind of still in prototyping mm-hmm. and we were still kind of, we still had the touch version and the rhythm pad on, you know, as the controls. So it was very confusing just to begin with. Mm-hmm. And the people playing the rhythm games, they didn't quite get it. And I remember walking to the washroom just to like, whatever, I was in the washroom washing my hands and they were like talking. They were like, I don't get it. I don't get this game. And then they saw me and they're like, oh, sorry, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry, man. We'll I'm not later. offended. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue, I would argue, a couple people didn't get it because um, I was. I always like to go through the Steam reviews of every game, and uh, Steam user Vanessa gave it a thumbs down after playing for four hours and said, "Quote: I cannot, in good conscience, recommend a game that's only a couple hours long and has no depth to it." Which twenty-five absolute chumps rated helpful. 
Uh, as someone who's personally put a few dozen hours into this game, uh, how do you respond to that that kind of criticism of Floor Kids having no depth? Because for me, it only got deeper the more time I put into it. I was discovering, as you said, more things about how each different character dances, and that it's I, not after... what they're looking for. It's not what they're looking for. That's Imagine like you're going out. You're like, yo, I'm gonna go eat. Really want lasagna. Mm. And then you go into this place and they serve you sushi or something. <laughs> For whatever it's reason. Really it could be, like those... it could be us getting our own wings. Like like John's drawing style has a lot of appeal. <clears throat> a lot of people might think, oh, this is a cute, real easy game to pick up, but this is not a left right jump thing. Like we said, it's it's kind of like Tony Hawk level. Each single character is um sixteen of its own moves and then combos and like ten thousands of frames of transition animations that you can unlock if you get that fluent with it. But most people like I I get it. They work hard all week and they just want to relax and do something it, like it there's a there's a pretty high kind of like control system buy-in just in design of the game just like there is with break i mean you could go to a break battle and just do six step you know but people are going to stop paying attention after about 30 seconds unless right. you level but in order to level up you got to put your time in i don't so to me every comment is absolutely valid i would just sort of look at it and just be like oh i wonder what they thought we were trying to do you know yeah at the end of the day I feel like what what we're talking about in terms of yeah just trying to represent where John comes from from b-boying and animation and trying to stay authentic to showing how that works and then me from the, the scratch and the turntable side similarly you know not just being like hey let's just put in whatever pop songs in here and see what you know I imagine that would have made it a way more accessible game to some people in in many ways but for me it was it was more just like no 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 like what's the story we're trying to encapsulate within this little floor kids universe here you know i mean i think i read that review and you know it's frustrating right <laughs> i mean uh, so at the same time you know i have street fighter 3 third strike on my switch that i play over and over again and i can clear through that in you know a half hour mm -hmm. but i'll still go back and pick another character and try to master a combo and try to see there's yeah. a bunch of stuff i want to try you know carry things and you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i don't get tired of it it's the same experience kind of but it's not you know and it was a mismatch of expectations well i think there's well, a fluency I, level that that people that's built into this game that even me personally hasn't been able to reach as a player of the game i spent a lot of time so, on wikipedia playing this if i'm being honest and i love that so it's so, it's so it's that deep in terms of like okay well you could do this to get your points but then and then with anything like technique and style are two different things right in break in scratching possibly in gaming yeah. tell me like i think that would be the case like there's the one like way okay this is how you outsmart the engine to get the most points but how do you do it to actually have like be the funkiest or actually look like string together the smoothest combos and stuff like amesh was was talking about earlier there's there's a fluency level that he mentioned today that I didn't even know about. It's like actually knowing the out points of certain moves to get to this certain move, you're gonna have the best version of that combo land on beat. And if you did that, say in a real break battle, crowds would lose their minds. That, whether that's something that gamers care about or not, I don't know. But like from where we're coming from in terms of, at least me in terms of the the music side and how it relates to john's like animation is like yeah that had to be locked in a way and 
to, to have that discovery at first, like, oh yeah, I'm into this beat. Like when I first heard some of the, those breaks, like, what is this break? Or what is this hip hop track? Like, what are they sampling? You know, and eventually as I got deeper and deeper into it, I was like, became kind of obsessed and interested in all of it, both forward and back from my entry point into, you know, turntable culture. It was really that. I was like, oh, wow, there's a whole universe of stuff that I have to discover and catch up on and move. And, and I understand from some people like getting into a game where it's not so much about, I, I get to the end, therefore I've learned everything versus like I get to the end. I listen to some records thousands of times and they're still revealing moments and stuff mm -hmm. and layers and ingenious choices that they'd made in the production that I'm still picking up like 20, 30 years later. And that's so everything that I kind of enjoy in terms of consuming of art, music, film, all those things, they might not be the easiest things to get into, but they're the things that just keep delivering like mm. over the decades, you know, with, with, with repeat, and views, I think repeat listens. And I think with John stuff, Perfect example. If you think in two hours you've seen all the drawings he's made, I don't even think you've made, I don't think you've even seen like half of what he's drawn at that point. Yes, you finished the game, but have you actually right. seen what's in there? It's like, I don't know. And whether people have the patience to explore that, you know, it's really up to how many other things they have going on in their lives. And I, I never so, trust people to that, you know. So I think it's also worth, you know, bringing a mesh in on and talking, you know, about our discussions about game design, the controls as well. Uh, so some of the some of this conversation is tied to like the tieovers of our design from mobile, where if you're thinking about like touch screen and swipe up, swipe right, swipe left, swipe down, there's only four things to learn. So once you teach someone to swipe one direction, you can kind of try all of them. So there was always a mm -hmm. tension between like, how much do we keep to unlock or how much do we teach up front, right? And mm. there was also this idea of like, we got eight characters, they're, they're super different from all walks of life and all different styles. So originally in the storyline, we would have like Noogie as the first one, because he's kind of based off of me. And then we had an order, right? But then we also thought like, why isn't it, why can't someone choose Busy or Raquette first, you know, if, if that's the one that speaks to them? So we, we, mm -hmm. we, every time we tried to create this, like, unlockable quest, we were blocked by the fact that we're kind of giving the controls all up front, like in the tutorial, which we can argue is, like, mm -hmm. way too much info, right? Uh, but then, and also... It's a tough balance to find. Yeah, and also the fact that we had to find a way to make every character like equally choosable and not not have this like set narrative, I guess. So I think the kind of comment is like, you know, they're used to these quests where everything is guided for you to like, you know, struggle here and then discover something and then continue, right? And we kind of had, mm -hmm. we had all this, uh, I don't know, playability and we kind of just give it all in the first, couple sessions right so that's just the nature of how we had to structure the game based on what we had and where we came from like once we cut the touch out it didn't have to be that way but that's just where we were at you know so i think yeah. we had this tension between a casual game and also enough content to give you a quest but you know that's just what mm. that's just what we did you know there's no really going back and second guessing it we made it you know we we, we launched you know like we had crazy stuff to get through just to launch you know just to get it out like lot check and all that stuff 
It's a lot of 4 a.m. breakdancing sessions. Yeah, well, and not to mention yeah. porting it to, to other consoles after that. Um, like the yeah, yeah. The, the design we focused on, like in the end, was an experiential one. So like having that experience mm. be like all about that style, you know, like finding your style. That was that was it. And and we had like multiplayer in there. We had like a two-player battle, but we had so many other designs and, and stuff like for cipher battles and for multiplayer and stuff like that to get some endgame content in there. But you gotta draw the line, you know, at, at filtering something that's gonna, you know, get that bottom line, which is the experience and the style before we get to those other features. And and unfortunately some of those multiplayer battle stuff like ended up on the cutting floor because they weren't there. That would have, I think, taken it to to the next level. It's like mm. implementing Cypher Battle and adding like that replayability. I think the battle system that we have in there right now is is good, but it's it's definitely a preliminary approach. So that was like, the first one that just like kind of felt good. Um, it's that old the game designer adage, the game's never finished, just shipped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's what I look at the game as, as being an experience of like, you're kind of listening to all of Eric's music while you're playing it, you're, you're, you're looking at all of John's frames, and then you're expressing yourself within that world and that frame, frame of mind. And so it's not really about beating it. You know, it's 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 just it's just about playing it and feeling it. So, it's like an album uh, I'll pull off my shelf in ten years. That's exactly and experience yeah. it again and notice something new that I hadn't noticed the last hundred times I played it. Man, it flows really well. And my last question was just like, what's next for everyone? Like Floor Kids Two colon the Diner. Like uh, uh, Eric and John, do you guys want to keep making games? And uh, Mesh Rob, we're gonna have you on soon for the next game. But uh, yeah, like where do where do we want to see Floor Kids? go if we could john you want to hit that oh no oh, we we'll lost john, john dropped. <laughs> he's like this interview's over he, he thought about doing never ask john about the future he gets off was that, was that his answer? he thought about the prospect of making another game and left the call <laughs> like, no <laughs> i will not go through oh, that tiny. again I feel like I feel like the conversation's still going. I, we have all these ideas. We have all these like things. There, there may be something in the future that that pops up. Um, some other yeah. opportunity. I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that that uh, there can be um, another iteration of this. And and I feel like the the logical thing to do is to get that touch control back, make yeah. it more accessible for people, go mobile maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, it, yeah, like I remember. Had... I remember. I remember one of the reasons why it, you know in our discussions that that touch control was removed on the Switch was because the Switch design itself, the actual console, was that you could take both Joy Cons and two people could play. So if 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 it was just a single player game the whole time, then that that would have been less of an issue. But because mm. you know. They wanted to see only oh, one person could play touch. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Then only who, one person who get, could. You know play what touch. I mean? And, or you're both poking. <laughs> yeah, the, the translation between touch and and gamepad controls, like one had an unfair advantage over the other. Um, right. And and yeah, I think like that that sort of thing. It prevented us from porting to you know Xbox and PlayStation and and PC. Effectively. So. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's that would be like if we were to make a new version of the game, it would be a touch version. Um, just because that's that's just it was so strong, and I, I really want people to experience that. I want to experience that, John. I was joking. I asked about making another game, and the prospect of that uh, caused you to leave the call. <laughs> Where do you, do you want to work on games in the future and, and do more floor kids? Yeah. The video yeah, of course, of course mm. man. Um, I think our mindset is starting to shift more, like you know, into that right now. Like as the Olympics for breaking is on the horizon, I'm not, I'm not making any promises, but that's just where my mind, my mind is at uh, with mm-hmm. Floor Kids. You know, just just animating Floor Kids stuff again. Uh, but yeah, so like there's there's like obviously the touch component, and then there's like maybe online multiplayer or some kind of like way to expand the world with new characters. But I think it's going to be a little bit like before. We're going to have to kind of like cipher a little bit again, freestyle a bit and see what happens. Mm. Um, I know that, uh, you know, there's some like hardcore Floor Kids players out there like Enigmatic Myth and mm. I can't name too many off the top of my head, but there's like, I feel like that conversation about, you know, playing the game there's like better people out there than us to like tell you why they play it and why they're so good at it and stuff. Yeah, I have like other ideas as well in the floor kid style, but maybe not necessarily floor kids. But that's like a whole other that's a whole other conversation. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to whatever comes next from Hall Labs and the future of floor kids colon in the video game. Um, that was it for uh, all my prepared questions I, I could get to. Is there anything else people wanted to add about you, your work, or Floor Kids uh, before we wrap up? Maybe we want to just plant the, the seed for our next conversation yeah. about about Hall. That sounds good. Um, yeah, like we're working on an AR uh, game, uh, which which is a puzzle mobile game called Skyhaven, and uh, it's getting close to beta. Um, and Rob just was in MIGS doing a talk on rendering, AR rendering. Um, yeah. And we can get into that, I, I feel like, in a whole other... Oh, we will. That would yeah. yeah. be awesome. Um, but yeah, I did try... Uh, we did try a, a test of floor kids in AR <laughs> once. <laughs> we did, How'd that go? We did a, a little like uh, like animation loop uh, just to place on the table kind of thing on in... in we used Spark AR for that. It was pretty fun. It was like it was novel. We didn't go anywhere else with that, but um, yeah, AR is very much on our on our minds right now. And, and my my mind would jump to AR would be uh, if I could record someone breakdancing, but put the floor kids crowd around them, hyping them up. So even if you don't have an audience, you could still record someone. <laughs> with an audience. That, yeah, <laughs> that'd be sick. <laughs> Uh, how about you, Eric and John? Anything you want to plug before we wrap up? No, I think we'll be back for sure. We had a great yes. time um, with Hollow Labs, and um, yeah. oh yeah, I think. Uh, well, lately I've been starting to animate live on Twitch just a little bit, and I'm trying to get an Elgato so I can stream me playing the game with some maybe behind-the-scenes animation software stuff. So, uh, maybe I can oh hell yeah! Up. Well, we'll drop your Twitch in the in the in the show notes. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, other awesome. than that, well, th- you know, just kind of doing uh doing my thing right now. I'm kind of doing a lot of a bit of cyberpunk art these days. 
Okay. Totally unrelated, but we'll see. What, what does breakdancing look like in the year 2077? Exactly. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you should check out uh, Deltron 3030's first album. I think they kind of talk a little bit, kind of, it's like it's like futuristic rap battles. Kind of like, sounds like that. All right, well, thank you so much, guys, for talking, uh, taking time out of your Thursday to talk to GameDevs.com. Very excited for the future of Hololabs and whatever comes next for Floor Kids Colon, the video okay. game. Uh, we'll be there. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. And uh, yeah. thank you. Uh, have a great day, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Take it easy. Keep rocking. All right. another opportunity to ask uh, you Eric, can you confirm a story i've heard only once in a youtube comment okay. <laughs> on uh, uh adele the funky homo sapien video where he was doing a concert in london and he, uh, like a while like late 90s early 2000s i think he came out and he was like who loves who loves nintendo and was like woo and then he was like ah, who loves sega and there was like no response he was like no sega fans and some guy was like fuck sega and apparently like he only did one more song he's like no fuck you guys sega rules and just cut the concert <laughs> short and I'm really curious if that's an actual story or not, because I love it. I don't know. Um, okay, okay. But Dell does love his video games, so I don't know where his, his loyalty lies in terms of console. With Sega, apparently. <laughs> I've never known him to just cut a set short. Like, he's a, he's a okay. consummate professional when it comes to, to shows. Right. So. I don't know. Maybe that's been exaggerated. But, but maybe, I don't know, maybe he just did a whole freestyle about how the audience was wrong or <laughs> i mean seen, i can put that, that i would love to see that <laughs> cool. well, but i don't know uh, thank I have you no, so much I, you know i i, I can ask on this, on the, Yo, that would be, I would love to get confirmation right. on that. Because I read it in one YouTube comment, and i just been scouring for this story. And right. I, the, less I, the less I don't find something, the less I believe it. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and you guys? You guys are Canadian, right? Yeah, so the site was originally started by my co-partner who is also named steven but we call him steve so it's steven steven <laughs> that, that never gets okay, confusing okay. but uh, yeah, he's in owen sound and i'm in halifax right now but i'm moving back to ontario next year oh nice yeah yeah uh we still yeah, I got picked up a rental 
I oh, sorry, picked up a ahead. rental car today, and mm. uh, it had a Nova Scotia plate. Yeah, um, only on the backs. All the cars feel naked out here because there's nothing on the front. Oh, right. No, we kind of have, in Quebec, we don't necessarily need front plates either. Mm. So I guess, uh, That's because the front of your car is hitting the potholes all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Makes sense. It's like space. It's like space. Like driving in Montreal is like driving in space. <laughs> so if you want to hang a left, you got to orbit around the intersection. Like make a right, then another right, then another right. Huh. And then uh, you get caught up. In the, you get caught up in the uh, asteroid belts. That's like the potholes. Right. You know? <laughs> or whatever. Okay. Is this, on, is this on Twitch or something? No, maybe man. We can, ask, we can ask Rob and Amesh to like write some code to actually crack your phone number <laughs> while we're doing this interview. Yeah, this is not live. Ask. This is pre-recorded. Don't worry. <laughs> Anything we, we say I can, put be, it back, you know? can be edited out. Don't worry. <laughs>